Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. There's an expectation. When someone's pregnant, they call it expecting. And there's an expectation that is rising in God's people. Part of it is out of desperation. But part of it is because we've seen things in the Word. And there's an expectation of it coming to pass and being present. Something we can see and something we can touch. We know it's coming. And the it is Jesus. Amen. We know that his word is about to come alive in a very unique way. Be excited that you are alive at such a time as this. It's a great time and a wonderful time that doesn't make it without its challenges. I think if you were to compare it with a baby coming, it would be very challenging. It changes life forever when a baby comes. Everything changes. And in John chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. That's up to you and I, folks. We're not to look at the things of this world. We're not to get our focus on those things. We're to get our focus somewhere else. There's a great expectation that Jesus has for you and me. And we often hear this word, but we take it from a different angle. And I hear it echoing in my heart today. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus tells them. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus expects you to get there. He expects your arrival and mine. He's not expecting you to fail. He's not expecting you to come halfway. People don't build houses expecting no one to live there. And it isn't just a shack he's building for you. Well, we've been so encumbered with the things of this world so encumbered and and worried, will we make it? Will we qualify? Have I done enough for Jesus? Have I done the things that will prevent my entrance? I'm telling you, Jesus is on your side. Believing you will arrive. Believing it. His expectation for you is success. What kind of success? Success in salvation. He knows what he did worked. (laughs) He knows. Our wiggling is because we are uncertain. We're wiggling and we're moved and we're troubled by the things of this world because we're looking wrong. 
for the last couple of weeks, I've talked about building and getting built up in yourself, getting to the place where flesh isn't your main commander, but in line and in harmony with the things of God. Because when it's in line, it's a beautiful thing. We get to be here in the greatest time of expectation. There's an expectation of his return that kind of dwindled from the people of God, but it's rising again. We believe Jesus is returning. And we're not going to be slapped. We're not going to be caught off guard. We're not going to be one of those virgins without oil, amen, in their vessel. We're going to be full, amen. This church is going to be full of the glory and presence of God, amen. We're not going to be filled with fear. We're not going to be filled with trouble. We're not going to be filled with looking at the bottom of the cup, Amen. We're going to rise up in the word. It's going to fill us. It's here. It's not being held back. It's not being restrained. It's more than available. More than available. Look at his words. If it were not so, I would have told you Jesus is not a liar. He's not a liar. And if I go, verse 3, and prepare a place, I'll come again. Hello. And come and get you and bring you into the house. He's going to bring you there. Great comfort in Jesus, who is the priest, who lives forever to make intercession for you and I. Who has what we heard in the beginning session in Psalm, that he knows our frame. He has innumerable thoughts toward us. Now add to that the fact he's praying for you and he's praying for me and he's not marking and tracking your failures. But there is a place that we have got ourselves into trouble and, and I think sometimes delayed the things that God had prepared for us because what we do and how we live operates through faith, Right? And so if we are filled with the things of this world and how they function and how they look, we'll come back and look from the wrong perspective, right? That's right. <laughs> we'll get the wrong perspective. We'll get the wrong perspective. And when the wrong perspective comes in, doubt comes in. That's just what happens. Praise the Lord. It is unfortunate that we as people become accustomed to looking for what's wrong. We become accustomed to it. And God doesn't want us to live there. We, there's a place as revival is birthing. We know that's the baby that's coming. We know that. And there is a place because probably because we've heard a lot of history of people making mistakes. People make mistakes. We're supposed to learn from them, not focus on them. Just like a car. If you look at the mistake, you'll drive right into that ditch, right? <laughs> we're not to look at the mistake, but we're to learn, oh, that's a snare to avoid. It's a snare to avoid. But this is nothing new. People have trouble with this. They have trouble with it. They want to look at what's wrong. And in Luke chapter 6, we have a, a, a situation, and I think it's a very clear 
when we think about revival and, and how we look at it, I want to bring this piece out. I want you to see something different in this today. In Luke chapter 6, verse 6, it says, It came to pass also on, an, on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. That's their thing that they did. They were always looking for what was wrong. And as people, when we're thinking about things that are reasonable, as Anne uh, spoke about a couple of weeks ago, we looked at what was reasonable. It seems reasonable to assess what could possibly go wrong in this scenario. And so looking for something's wrong has now become a reasonable exercise in our human makeup. Rather than looking at the great thing that's coming, the great birth of, of a move of God, rather than focusing on it and getting prepared and getting excited about what's on the way and knowing that Jesus is on our side and wanting us to get there, we have this other reasonable side that we keep having to deal with, and it's nothing new. He knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. And Jesus said unto them, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth their hand. And he did so. And he did so. And he did so. He did so. He did so. How has it become uncommon to follow? It's become a common thing. God gives an instruction, and we're like, well, I want to go to five people and assure that it's right first. There was no one to check with with that withered hand. Well, Jesus was there. We knew it was Jesus. Well, we, we know that people had trouble believing him. Simple obedience. Simple yeses. And he did so. A simple yes to God's instruction. A simple one. Yes. Yes. We make it so complicated to get healed. We make it so complicated to have an instruction. It was a pretty simple instruction. Stretch forth your hand. Stretch forth your hand. And, and you're thinking, well, what if this fails? What if I look like an idiot and the Pharisees arrest me and throw me in jail? That's where we're at today. We question God constantly instead of questioning the devil. Whoa, what if that's a devil? Like, why aren't we saying that to crazy thoughts that come in our head? Why aren't we flipping that around? We're all, this is the word of God? That's why, because we're not sure. Right? So we should be saying, whoa, that's not God. Get out. Right? But we're not doing that. We're questioning God instead of questioning the other. So in a simple obedience, simple, 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 stretch forth your hand. And he did. I'm sure he's very glad he did. And his hand was restored whole as the other. Not halfway, not partway, completely whole. Now look at this next verse. And they were filled with madness and communed with one another. And we look at verses like this and we say, well, that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's not us. But we know that this is happening right now, not just in the, not just in the world. It's happening in the church. 
that's not a bad thing necessarily that we know. We just have to be aware and know we're not going to be a party of that. It's very interesting. That word madness is the word anoia. I know. Sometimes the Bible is just funny, right? Anoia. And it's a compound of these two words, stupidity and rage. I thought you'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm, I thought so. God said, look that up. So I did, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> he knows how much I enjoy those things, and some of you as well. But this thing of looking at the wrong in an accusatory voice is sneaky, subtle, and tries to leak its way in and cause you to miss the wonderful expectation that Jesus had for you. See, Pharisees aren't anything new, and they might have been noted there, but they're still alive today, very much so, and not just in Israel. <laughs> Amen. What do they do? They're looking for something wrong all the time. They're always looking to take down, to take out, to find what's wrong instead of listening for the great voice. And this is, is a, a, a trouble. You see, what happened next is, is remarkable. And it says it came to, uh, it says, and they communed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Came to pass, he went to the mountain, continued all night and prayed. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, blah, blah, blah. And they get all excited and then they come down. And then uh, people started to come and they began to come and they began to come. And you keep reading in, in Luke, and they just kept coming and they kept coming and they were coming to Jesus. And everybody says this at the end. And they said, Well, if we had a miracle like this, surely revival would burst forth. And they focus on the miracle. And so there's been some of us waiting if Jesus would do this. And we pray desperately for a miracle. Oh, if God would do a miracle in Surrey, if this certain person would get saved and they, they're such a terrible person, if they turned around or if this person got out of a wheelchair or if that person who was blind, they suddenly got eyes. This person who had been deaf since they were a child, if they would just receive their hearing, we know then. We know then we'd be a revival. And they miss the very fact that the very one that they're supposed to like is, is Jesus. They're supposed to focus on Jesus because the world's not really looking for a miracle. What are they looking for? The sons and daughters of God. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for us to have Jesus in us in a real tangible way. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for people who will love one another even when one another stinks. That they'll go beyond what they know and love them anyway. That they won't focus on the accusation. No longer will they be turned aside and offended at every little breath that's breathed. But a people who will stand together. How do we know this? We know in John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, he said that the world will know, will know that God loves them through us. That's a manifestation of it. That's in John 17. It's also in 1 John that they will know, 1 John and 4. It talks about the very same thing, that the world will know God, that the world will come into a place when they see the love of God manifest in us. And love of God isn't wishy-washy, and it's not meekness that's weakness. It's not any of those things. The love of God is strong. 
strong to stand through a, a, a correction, strong to stand through accusation, strong to stand through when everybody's throwing rocks at you and you stand together, strong in battle, strong in not backing off, but staying, it's strong in consistency. It's consistent. True love that comes from heaven is consistent. We learned about that last week. It has a continual uh, a working. And that's what's so wonderful. It's not something you can touch. Oh, I felt the love of God Sunday. There, I'm in love. No. No, 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 no. And I'm not sure, see, because we learn so much from the negative perspective. We say, well, we love it when they're hard. Can you love them when they're good? Can you love someone when they've done right? I think is a greater challenge. The Israelites had this problem, so I think we could learn from this, that every time things went well, they went bad. Do we love the good times, or are they just a memory? Do we love it when we know and we can stand before God in confidence? Whoa, God, I did right today. I stretched forth my hand when you said so. I did it, God, hallelujah. Or there are things inside of you go, what if he slaps me? He's not looking to slap you. He's looking for you to get there. You see, and that's the mentality the Holy Ghost wants to get out of you and get out of me. The place where we go, we're not worried about failing. How can you possibly fail when the life that you now live by the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God? His faith. His faith. And he's praying for you. And he's making a mansion for you. And he's got you going in the right direction. And he's got expectancy that you've never had for yourself. Mm. Absolutely. Expectation you've never had for yourself. He knows what he put inside you. He knows when you don't use it. But he knows when you say yes. You see, we've thought that was humility to back off. And it's not really humility at all. That's, that's nutty business. That's made up of all your flesh and crazy and soulish ideas and man-made creations about who you think God is. Humility is when you do it and you love it and you don't apologize for it and you're at peace on the inside. Peace on the inside. It's going to work. I trust God. And you don't look back. When he says go and you go. When he says do this and you say yes. That's humility. When you're not looking for somebody else to give approval to what you do. Now, the world is all full of all kinds of ideas trying to get approval for their sin. And they want you and I to agree with it to make them feel better. It won't matter. I can guarantee that as much as they do whatever they do, even if the laws change to please them and to give okay to their sin, it will never resolve their sin issue. And you will never do it for them either. So you, you can do like, I just want your approval in my decision. I ain't going to help you. You have to settle that with God yourself. And he wants you to. He wants you to. Amen. I mentioned that, that one of our problems is the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and those things. And we get them under our feet when the love of God flows through us. That verse comes from 1 John chapter 2 and 16. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the craving for sensual gratification. This is not talking about sex. 
Everybody, they see the word sensual, they equate it with sex. But there are many things that are sensual in this world that give us pleasure, like eating cookies and ice cream. And so if it's affecting our physical senses, it's sensual. And so when you get absorbed in things that will just satisfy you, whatever addiction that is, right, that is sensual. Uh, the lust of the eyes, greeting longings of the mind. This is where the Pharisees were trapped in that accusatory spirit. They wanted to be right. They wanted to hold everyone to a standard. And when you look at it, it seems reasonable. It seems okay and almost excusable. You see, because they were the ones in charge of the law in the first place, they knew what it was, and they were in charge of keeping those rules right. But it became a great snare in their life. And we don't want rules to become a snare. One of the greatest things that God's been working is these Sunday nights that are without format. We as a people have to learn to enter the presence of God without format. You know, three fast songs, two slow, one prophecy, away we go kind of thing. We, we got to get outside of those kind of boundaries so that you can experience the presence of God wherever you are at, at any time. God's always there. We're just not aware of his presence. And you can access him anywhere, anytime, whatever you're wearing, including your house coat. It doesn't matter. God is there. Amen? Amen. You have to get over those things. So the greeting longingness of the mind. There are places that our mind wants to be satisfied. That pharisaical spirit wanted to be satisfied by knowing people were keeping the rules. And I realize this troubles not just the people in the world. It troubles many. I like rules. I do. I think the greatest part about the Salvation Army was having very tight rules on the love then. I memorized their rules and their doctrine. I found them very comforting, especially as a child. I knew these were the boundaries, but those boundaries did not equal trust in God. They were trust in myself to hold to the line. And as long as I'm trusting in myself to do good, I have not done good at all. I don't trust God in that way. So we have to realize there's places where boundaries are healthy, but not those kind, right? We don't want to pick up that spirit of accusation. We don't want to be looking for what's wrong in that miracle. Did they tell their story correctly? Have they repeated it word for word? Have they kept every jot and tittle? Notice how the Pharisees followed Jesus everywhere, always looking, always looking for something that was wrong. And they were, they could have had life. Jesus was right there. They could have got to know him. Jesus was right there. So many times when I've read the stories of Catherine Kuhlman, and she would talk about the presence of God filling a place, and she'd talk about the people who were like islands, and I think that's the same story. The Holy Spirit present to heal, to do good. I remember in particular one person who had been in one of those meetings, who I know quite well, had told me, I was a young man when I went to the meetings, and many people were healed, but there was this one boy. I thought, how many? So I said, how many people? Oh, there had to be at least 15,000 people there. And how many people do you think were healed? Oh, thousands. But there was this one boy. Now, I don't know why one boy wasn't healed that particular night, but I also don't know if that one boy got healed later or woke up the next morning healed. I don't know. 
But in the midst of thousands of miracles, their focus fell on the one boy. Oh, where is our focus? What are we expecting? Last week, there was a powerful word about expectations. And you see, if all we're expecting is something to go wrong, we'll get it. Because expectation is a part of faith. But if we're expecting the word, if we're expecting what Jesus said to come to pass, if we're expecting it when Jesus says, stretch forth your hand, you will. You will. If you're expecting to get healed when someone says, stand up out of that wheelchair, you'll stand up or do your best, right? If you don't, you won't try. You won't try. Wonderful. When we were in Africa, one of the first couple of times, and, and I looked at that one woman. Now, she had had operations, operations, spent money on doctors trying to fix her crooked leg and walked with crutches, and she was in pain all the time. And it was one of the first meetings. And I looked at her, and we were praying for people and, and, and going down the line, and I stepped back away from her, and I went like this. I didn't even say come. But come on. She threw down those crutches. She threw them down. I didn't tell her to, uh, you know, I didn't know she was going to take a step forward. And I would pray for her. I said, come here, like this. She throws them down. Bam, down went the crutches. And the first step was wobbly. The second step was better. And pretty soon we were running around the tent. Amen. It was wonderful. But it wasn't anything to do with me. She had an expectation that Jesus was the only one who could fix her. And he did. And he did. It certainly wasn't complicated. She threw down her crutches. She just obeyed. A simple come. She obeyed. Expectations. Jesus is preparing a mansion. He has an expectation we have gone without realizing. Sitting there waiting. We don't even think about it. Have you ever given consideration that Jesus' prayers for you are so marvelous? You cannot help but succeed. If you're not succeeding, it's you. You are the problem, not God. Well, I don't know if what he said is true. Stretch out your hand, folks. Where's your mansion? It's up there, but he's waiting for you. Don't get in a hurry to die yet. <laughs> And here's the place, he says. And where I go, you know. And how to get there, you know. And they're like, what? I think that's my interpretation. <laughs> but isn't that the truth? I don't know what you mean, Jesus. And we have many people today in the church who goes, we really don't know what that means. And honestly, when I'm praying about these kind of scriptures, rather than saying, well, God, I got this, I say, God, I don't know neither. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe path. So when you're thinking about, if the disciples are asking questions, perhaps we should as well. <laughs> and we just say, what do you really mean, Holy Spirit? Could you reveal this to me? The way I know. The way I know. The way I know. That means he's planted it inside of you. And if you ever think about that for just a moment, wait. Go back to the first lesson about God creating us in his image, putting inside of us everything we needed to do to accomplish his plan. Then there's something inside of us that knows the 
way. He knows what's in there. He planned it. He's got a plan. We just have to keep saying yes when, when he stretches out his and it says, go, go, go. Here's his hand, go. Here's his hand, go. Here's his hand, go. And trust that what that thing, where we get pulled, uh, is going to be part of his great plan. The way that we know inside, and, and in uh, John 17, verse 3, he said, this is life eternal, that you would know God, know him. So if we're coming to the place and we're born again, there's an inner knowing that will anchor us. How do we know? We begin with trust. God, I trust that this will work. I trust that your word says that I know that as I step out, I'm going the right way. Don't you think if he's got a plan for you and he knows where you're going, that when you step out, he couldn't course correct you? He can course correct you. Amen. Listen, absolutely. It's easy. It's not so hard. We make things so complicated. And, and it's, it's not good. In Deuteronomy, when he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, and Egypt is a picture of the flesh, and there's a place where I've been saying, the flesh is not your curse, it's your carrier. <laughs> and, and it says, he delivered them with his outstretched arm and his mighty hand. Don't you think that that's big enough for your problem? I think so. I think his mighty hand and his outstretched arms will work for me. So even if I step out and it kind of looks like it's maybe going the wrong direction and I get, I just, okay, God, I'm going. I felt that urge. I felt that unction. I felt I should go. So I stepped out. I lifted up my foot. I went in that direction. He's got enough with his outstretched arm. He can reach you and he knows where you are. His mighty hand, if you get stuck, well, Amen. I, I, and, and just, you've got to decide to trust his word. You've got to do it. Because there's great peace in that. Great peace. And, and it's okay to say to God, I don't really get this, and I don't really understand. And, but don't stop there. <laughs> say, so Holy Spirit, I'm open to your voice to help me understand. Because he wants you to. If he knows the plan, and he's got a plan for you, and he's got a place for you, and he's got faith for you and he's working for you to get there and expects you to get there then he's not hoping you'll fail along the way and while you begin to grow he will adjust you there are some things in my life when I felt I should do this I should take that course it did not make a whole lot of sense to me at that time and I didn't know how I was going to pay for nursing school and and I thought mm hmm but then the money came, and off I went. And I thought, it's been a few years since I've been in school, Lord. And I, it, I've been only three or four years, but it's still, you get out of a habit. Anybody who's been to college knows when you step in, and it was a compressed course that I decided to take to jump back in. Yeah. And I said, Lord, okay, I believe this is you. And I pushed through. <laughs> and I thought, oh, praise the Lord. And the timing was perfect. I met people there who needed Jesus. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a great bathroom ministry that people have yet to discover. <laughs> I had a motorcycle and at that time, and uh, my husband and I 
road, and he still has a motorcycle. And I had a small one, and I put all my stuff in there, but in this school, because we were prepping to go back, and I had enough courses to kind of jump this last one to get in. But we had to wear uniform every day. And there's no way you can wear a uniform and ride a motorcycle, at least in downtown Vancouver. So I would take my whole backpack with my change of clothes, and we had to have our hair up, and so fun it is, and the rest of it, and it couldn't be, you know, all these restrictions. And so I'd go down on my motorcycle. I had a little one, 400. And, and I'd ride to that school. And it was intense. Dear Lord. And I prayed about my studies. And I, I did it and, and did what the Lord told me to do. And, and, and so I would change my clothes in the washroom. One particular girl, she was being very troubled with anorexia and, and was trying to hide it. But I caught her and prayed for her in the bathroom. And got her into a place where she got help. And so many times, many different <laughs> situations. And, and I, I just thank God for that whole thing. And then I ended up taking an extra, extra courses in, in psychology and things like that. And I thought, why? I, this is so anti-Bible. <laughs> but I, I did what was necessary to get the degrees that I needed to accomplish that and work there. And I thought at the time, this seems like a real wide turn. You understand what I mean? I knew I was called to ministry. This seemed like not the right way. Well, maybe God was calling me into nursing and et cetera. I prayed for so many people when I ended up working for doctors and I got to meet all kinds of things. Today as a pastor, that information has been used so many times over and over. It has been such a blessing and support for all the ways that God has used me in my life and tremendously beneficial. But it seemed like a wide turn. Do you hear me? But God had a plan for Pastor Gwen in the same way he has a plan for you. And sometimes the things we go in, the places we've been, you might look at and go, oh, that's like a curse. And there's times when medical information tries to stand against the word of God. And I don't, I have to, know this is the word of God. It's superior to that. Superior to what I know may happen or may not. Amen. So don't let it trouble me, but I let it be a blessing in the way it, that God intended. There are many other things that, that I thought, dear Lord, why am I doing this? I, I was in a missionary group for years, and it was such a blessing. I ended up staying almost every time with pastors. I saw so many physical miracles on the road and learned to evangelize in different ways. I learned more about what God was doing and how I worked with others. I had to live with others in a very tight situation for like six months. That was a special blessing. And uh, we would travel in a very small van, and there'd be like six of us for four or five months. Yes, it was a unique experience. I learned how to play well with others. <laughs> <laughs> but God had an expectation for my life. And in the same way, he has an expectation. Don't curse your past. Let the valuable gems be a blessing and a strength. Allow those things that you are supposed to learn, learn them, grow for them. Let them be stabilizers. Let them be uh, boxes you can stand on and preach from. Let them be a message in your life. And let them strengthen and have you realize just how many times God's been with you, took you through, and now you're standing on it. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. I think of some of the stories I've heard of your life, Pastor Neil, and, and the things in the military that you learned are so valuable in how you preach and the word that comes out of it, and the revelation. I've had revelation gardening. I learned things about weeds that I wished I could have learned other ways. I don't like getting that dirt up my fingernails, but I learned some things. And, and what I'm saying to you is take another look. Let the Holy Ghost reveal to you the greatness he's placed in you rather than the mistakes you've made. It's time for the mistakes to get under your foot. I don't want to be a Pharisee, and I declare this church is going to be free of that. In Jesus' name. That we'll not be that accusatory. We're not going to let those things in. We're going to lift up and look up. We'll be a people who look up and look at Jesus and believe that what he promised, that he would make me and you sons and daughters of God. And what in the world does that look like? I mean, we go, yes, oh, man, good. And then we push it back because it seems too big because we're still so troubled by the things of the flesh that we're afraid that God isn't big enough to help us through our fleshly desires. Right? Is he big enough? Is his outstretched arm long enough? Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter. It's time to see what was done right. Where you've answered yes. Let them be bigger than all the missteps. Let your line and your place be big in God. Let it be big. We'll never get anywhere poking at each other. But when we really let the love of God flow, we'll love ourselves, And not in a weird, narcissistic way either. <laughs> That's not what the love of God is working in your heart. But you've got to love who he made you. I'm kind of kooky, and I've started loving that. I love me. Pastor Yvonne came here, I think, two years ago, was it? And he's talked about loving himself and who God had made him. And I remember how we hung on to that for a while, realizing that this was a tremendous value for every one of us, that we had to really learn what did that mean. I mean, if God loves you, shouldn't you? Other people love you. Why don't you? If what God put in you is valuable, you should love that. Don't you love what God does? I love what God does. Well, I love what God does in you. Do you love what God does in you? Right? It's easier to see it that way than this way. Why? I ask questions like that. We should. Wait just a minute now here. God did something good in me, and I should love that. Some of you are still kind of going, oh, 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 like I'm hitting you with rocks, and we're talking about the love of God, okay? It shouldn't be that way. Now, if I was talking about sin and how you should also, you know, run from that, you'd all be going, yeah, that's right, I sinned last week five times over. And just before I came into the church, I cussed. I had a thought of cussing. I was not in faith. Dear Lord. Oh, yes, the deceitfulness of sin has taken us all. We start talking about you've done well, and everybody goes, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you did well. Praise the Lord. God's working a good thing in you. 
Yes, he is in my neighbor. Come on. He did it in you. You God, you work this in me. I know just for a moment, but if I could just get through. No, I'm not having to get through mentality. You know, I'm going to have purple in my mansion. And probably a lot of sparkly stuff. <laughs> just because. What are you going to have in yours? Are you thrilled about it? I have an expectation that I get to enjoy every day while I'm here. And let it rise bigger than every other crazy bit that goes down. Start questioning all those other things. Wait, don't disturb my joy. <laughs> Get out. No, we think, no, we'll just have to tolerate this. Why? Why, Why are you tolerating failure thoughts? Why are you tolerating all that? We're so afraid to do right. So engrossed in in not getting through or worried. They, you know, oh, see that you be not troubled. And the whole sentence is about troubled about this. We're troubled about doing right. We're troubled that we'll never be good enough. Time we slapped it in our own face. Smart up. We talked about that too, didn't we? Don't say smart up. Just be up. Amen. <laughs> God's so good. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to read to you one more scripture. I'm just finding it here. <laughs> Praise the Lord God. It's in, I'll just, we'll just go this way because I know where it is. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you there yet? I'm getting there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right. We talked a little bit about verse 3. You're yet carnal. Where is there among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal? Walk as men. That's where most people get stuck. That's right. I'm in strife every other day of the week, and I'm walking like a man, and there's no help for me. <laughs> there you go. Now you're starting to get this. <laughs> That's not the way we're supposed to think. Because I don't know about you, that's baby talk. Are you a baby? Good. Then that's not you. It maybe once was. But we're not babies. I say, I'm not a baby. Praise the Lord. I don't get in the little squabbly fights. Whew. That was hard. Maybe we should say that again. I'm not a baby. <laughs> Soothers out, <laughs> bottle down, <laughs> blankie gone. <laughs> Tell you what, folks, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm not a baby anymore. I'm not a baby. I'm not a baby. Well, one says I'm Paul and the other uh, uh, I'm Apollos. Are you not carnal? Well, we got it figured out, and that's where we're camping, but we're not camping there anymore. I like this one more than that one. Nah, nah, nah. That's not our business because we're adults in the word and we're adults in Jesus. We're adults, 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 adults. We're going to act like it. <laughs> Amen. We're going to figure out what that means. And he says, verse 5, 
Who then is Paul and who's Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to us ever man. I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase in every way. He's increasing in you. He's increasing in me. Increase isn't working bad things. Increase isn't working failure so that you can identify it easier. Look, there it is, all my failures of life. It's not an increase in failure. It's not an increase in sin. It's not an increase in the vision so that you could see more sin. It's an increase that brings blessing. So as neither is he that planets anything, they're he the water. They're just doing their job, folks. Let's just do the job and let him work his good thing in us. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. Does God build junk? No. Oh. So here we've talked about the expectation of what's coming. And God's a co-laborer with you building your life. Think about it. Does he build failure? No. Does he only build good? Yes. Why? Because he? he good. That's right. So if he's only good, he can only build good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Only after his kind. And we're a co-laborer with that. We got to let go of the laboring of ourself and the baby labor of building blocks and Lego. Mm -mm -mm. Let him build according to his plan. According to it. And we will be that manifestation. If he said that's what the world is looking for, the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God, he knows how to build it in you, and he knows how to build it in me. And then it'll be very exciting. Amen? Amen. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Yours mansion, folks. And you don't got to wait for heaven to be his building. None of his plans have ever said, and when you get to heaven, everything will be better. I started eternal life the day I said yes to Jesus. And so did all of you. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Be built by God. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid foundation and another builds upon. But let every man take heed how he builds. Our instruction, take heed what you're building. Take heed. Are you co-laboring? Are you letting God build your house? Are you still trying to do it yourself? Are you looking for every broken nail? Are you looking for the knots in the wood? time to look up and get our eyes off the miracle miracles will happen they happen they happen they'll happen they'll happen and let us move our prayers from praying about the things to lifting up his name I understand we believe we need some things 
but he supplies our needs. I'm not going without. He gives me the wants and desires of my heart. So I don't have to pray about those things. But when I lift up his name, when I get my focus off the earthly things and face it, if I need a miracle in my body, it's an earthly thing because it's an earthly tabernacle. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. In every instance where I've seen those kind of miracles, and I have, it's been where people lifted up his name and took their focus from the ground to the ceiling. Look up, for the Son of Man draws nigh. Look up from your situation and seeing he's partnering with you. He's building with you. You don't have to be troubled one more moment. He's got something built in you. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a comfort thing. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just have a moment of prayer right here? Just, just begin to worship God. Just begin to lift up his name. Carabosa, chete, braston, brasta, cachete, rosa, jerem, resengere, rostambra, cateste, promande deste. Oh, Jesus, wise master builder that you are building here in this house. Pechenke abosso, te gene, basso, gladeste, prodende ebu cambelica so toroshima yandela casabo casici dende abrosa jere dese. Itarabosca. I thank you today that there's a clearing of matter. Just like before a house is built, there's a, a clearing. There's a clearing of trees. There's a, a, a taking and a removal of the junk. I thank you today that the words are removing junk. They're removing junk. There's a junk removal even taking place in some of your minds right now. There's a junk removal that the Lord is doing if you'll allow. If you'll stretch forth your hand, he'll remove the junk that's troubled you, says the Lord. He'll remove the things that hindered your growth and caused your building to have problems in its foundation. There's a junk removal occurring right now by the Spirit of God. There's a junk removal. There's a junk removal of where you have, have spoken wrongly over yourself, where you have held yourself down, where you have persecuted your own self. Where you have turned on yourself and, and poured through everything that, that you believe God needs to fix and, and it is wrong in your life. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now for junk removal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even some who are going to watch this live. There are some of you watching, maybe not today, but maybe in a couple of days. There are some of you out there and you needed some junk removal in your life. And God will do it for you just the same way. Just the same way his word is true. There's a building that he's doing. There's a foundation layer that's needed to be just refined and, and pulled out of the weeds. It's been there. The foundation's there, but it's like there's, there's all this grass and weeds and junk just all over. But it's there. The foundation's there. And there are words that are there. Some of you have held even since you were small children. And you've thought, 
it's too late. Some of these things have passed me by. I missed that go. I missed it when he said to me so many years ago, I needed to move and I did not. I needed to go here and I did not. I missed it. I missed it. And your focus has been on the missed target rather than the target. And the Lord's saying to you, that's, that's, that's not your business. Let it go. Tell him you're sorry and then let it go. Some things can be redeemed. And some things will be redeemed. And in other cases, there's a new thing coming where you let the release come. There's a, a, a different thing now. But don't get hung up on the what you missed or you'll miss the next thing coming. Yes, it's coming. Yes, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Look up. Oh, look up, people of God. Look up. Prestenge de bos agende. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 He knows how to build you. He knows. He knows. Hallelujah. Oh, by his mighty hand and outstretched arm. He will take you. He will take you into places you didn't know you could go. He'll lift you and set you, and you'll not be moved. Oh, by your mighty hand, by your mighty hand, we will go. We will go, we will go. By your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, let it be, let it be. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327. Or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139, 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W, 3B1.